Hi folks, and welcome back to the South Pole Podcast. My name is Becky Zarzinski, and I'm your host for today's show. So in today's episode, I get to sit down with Greg Judy. Well, not technically sit down, we're actually standing in a field, but but I get to uh, interview Greg Judy for just a few minutes. This interview only took 13 minutes, but let me tell you, we talked about all kinds of things. I mean, we covered all kinds of topics here from regenerative agriculture, what his definition is, to how to get a lease, more importantly, how to keep that lease, fitting the right genetics to your environment and your grazing practices. Of course, we talk about South Pole cattle. We talk about indicators on what you need to be looking for as a grazer to know if you're going in the right direction. And we talk about how to start a farm if you're a young person. So we cover all kinds of topics in this short and sweet to the point interview. So I hope you guys enjoy. Well, Greg, thanks for uh, taking a couple of minutes here with me at the um, Stockman Grass Farmer event to, to chat. You just gave your presentation and uh, I always really enjoy it because you wrap so many personal stories um, of your past few decades farming and yes. kind of how you've come out of bankruptcy into to the situation where you're at now and you are leasing 18 farms I think you, yep. you said yeah we're at 18 farms now yeah yep. that's awesome yep for um, let me let me start on that topic um, one thing you you mentioned a lot is land leasing and the benefits of leasing versus buying land correct uh, especially right now with the land prices being oh, astronomical yeah it's like you can't even make a living with, no. on farming with that type of land prices nope. um, so in your talk, you mentioned the appreciation. You were talking about a story about one of your landowners and uh, calling you up and, and really being appreciative of what you're doing on the farm. So Correct. it's not an economic uh, tip. It's more of a verbal appreciation. Can you go into a little bit about kind of the value of the appreciation of landowners and them seeing that farming can be done a different way and showing young people that you can make a living doing it this way yeah so <clears throat> what you're trying to do is build this you know emotional if you want to call it that landowners you know the last last speaker said landowners are emotional and especially when you start doing things good to their property and you know they're not stupid they, they can see improvements on the land they can see how hard you're working with the land and you're trying to work in sync with nature you're not, you know, going in and destroying their property. And then they all of a sudden, they start to see the animals and how well they're out there and they're happy. You're living a good lifestyle. And next thing they know, their farm looks like a park. And they're like, you know, Greg, uh, I don't know what you're doing out here, but what you're doing looks right. And so what you're trying to do is get a, a long-term relationship with that landowner so that they don't kick you off. And if you don't build that relationship early on, uh, it's... A lot of people lose leases on land. And so you go in, you put in all the improvements, um, you put in a lot of sweat and a lot of equity, and one to two years later, it's like, you know, this just isn't really working out for either one of us. Uh, we, we decided to go in another direction. That's your fault. Or I feel like it's my fault if I lose a lease. Now, that's being a little bit hard on me. Maybe it's putting a little bit of pressure on me, but I'll take that pressure. Because I take it on as a challenge, Becky. I don't want to lose that lease. Because if I do, I'm out of business on that farm. Right. And so I look at it this way. If you can find a, a piece of land, and it doesn't have to be a very big piece, let's say five acres, ten acres, 
and you can get a lease on that and then start with that start with one it's the same way with marketing start with one mm -hmm. and do well with that you might get another one so let's so leasing land is a very economical way to start farming correct what is your take on the importance of fitting the genetics of your animals whatever they be cattle sheep goats pigs to your environment and grazing farming principles. You're, you're speaking my language. I don't know where you got that such a good description, but that's exactly the way we believe. You've got to get the right animal class out there. You've got to get the right size. And I say, you know, if you'll pull the crutches out from underneath your animals and let them adapt from the, in other words, whatever comes out of your soil and grows on your farm, pick the animals that thrive in that environment. Mm -hmm. Get rid of the ones that don't. And over time, you're going to have a world-class livestock operation. That's what I love about the South Pole cattle is they are, you know, they're docile. Uh, they're pretty hardy just on grass alone. Matter of fact, one of our, uh, you know, rules, and we're not supposed to feed them any grain, and you're not supposed to show them. I think that's a big thing. Teddy, at the very start, said we're not showing these things. We're not going to put them in shows because we don't want show judges ruining the breed because they're going to get them bigger, you know, and do things that take away from grass efficiency. At the end of the day, we are in the grass harvesting business. And so you get an animal that's the right size, he's going to be a lot more efficient. So a 1,400-pound cow versus a 1,000-pound cow, give me the 1,000-pound cow every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to speak to that, too, um, you know, being a youngish person, <laughs> you know, farming is hard. Getting land is hard, um, even if you find a good leased section. Um, and making money with these animals is a hard concept and uh, matching the genetics to fit your land and grazing principles is going to make you a more economically sustainable farmer, which is a huge thing. It is. And for especially young people who probably go into this not with any money at all. Yes. And so is, you think that's a good investment. If you, they're going to invest in something, that might be probably one of the better things to invest in. Absolutely. Get, get a good start of livestock and work on that livestock. Don't go out and buy a new tractor or a new four-wheeler or a new baler or mower, rake, all that metal stuff. Forget about it. Save you up a nest egg enough to buy one cow. That's all you can start with is one cow. You can take that cow to a bull to get her bread, or you can get her AI'd. You don't just get that cow, and then she's going to give you another one, and you're on your way. Yeah. You're on your way. Awesome. Teddy Gentry sold me 22-cow-calf 22 pairs in um, 2002, I believe it was. Today, you know, total head, we're up to 321. That's all internal. We, we bought a few, you know, we went back and bought a few more heifers from Teddy. But what I'm saying here is they reproduce themselves. And at the end of the day, you know what's so awesome about them? Is they're doing it all on grass, and you can eat them. You can sell them to somebody, support their family, your neighborhood. It, they're great for the environment. They're tramping litter on the ground. They're healing the earth. They're restoring the water cycle, and they're making America great again. There's a great, great opportunity here for young people to get back on the land. Awesome. So, switching subjects just a little bit here, but for producers who are utilizing rotational grazing practices, like they've been in it for 10, 20 years, maybe not 20, but let's say 10 years, they've been doing it, they've gotten a good feel for it, um, they've been doing it on their farm, they got their farm set up so they can do it, how do they know that they're moving in the right direction when it comes to this? Are there any indicators when it comes to the grasses, the forages, the soil, the animals, like how do they know that 
Because sometimes it's a slow change, and so you can kind of be put blinders on every once in a while and yeah. you can't see that change. So well, first of all, when your animals uh, start thriving, or they're getting fat, they lose their winter hair coat, they're sleek, it looks like you put armor all down the center of their backs, they're just oily looking. Those are animals that are performing on your soil types. And then you start looking at the forages. Becky, you've got to give these forages time to regrow. And if you're coming in, way too many animals, and you graze it off too short, and you come back too soon, that's a real recipe for uh, bankruptcy. You're not going to last. You're going to go out of business. The other thing is, be looking for indicator plants out there that are telling you you're going the right way. Some of those are clovers. You don't want a solid stand of grass. You want diversity in your grass. So the more diversities of species you have on your pasture, some of you may not know what they are. Mm -hmm. If it's not a weed, if an animal eat it. And so I like diversity. Even if there's some brush out there growing, my animals will eat those leaves. I'm not going to fret about it. The one thing I think you'll make a mistake on, a lot of young people, especially starting out, well, it's got to be pretty. It's got to look like my yard out front. No, it doesn't. It's a pasture. It's not a yard. Right. Yeah, and that's one question I think I hear a lot, too, is people will say, what do you do about the weeds? Specifically, they'll say, you know, eastern red cedar we have a lot here of, or horse nettle. Um, it's not a, so you say it's not a weed if they eat it. If they nibble at it, but the plant becomes more and more of a problem. You need to control it. And okay. when you mentioned eastern red cedar, the hair on my neck stood up. <laughs> I got a radar for those things. Now, they can grow down in my draws, but I do not want an eastern red cedar up there on my hillside. And it's because they drop needles and they kill your soil. And so anytime you have acid soil, you're not going to make a living. You can't grow grass. So you can't take eastern red cedar. Another one that's coming in is uh, autumn olive. Mm -hmm. They're invasive. You got to control those. You can leave a few of them, but you can't be this nature Nazi that says, oh, I'm not going to kill anything. You've got to control some of this brush. Do you know why? Because a pasture is always trying to revert back to old growth forest. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you and the animals and your management to keep that from happening. So, kind of playing devil's advocate on that topic, especially here in Virginia, you are exactly right. Like, our pastures are constantly wanting to go back to uh, old growth hardwood forest. Yep. It first starts with autumn olive and cedar slowly yep. comes in. And then before you know it, five years, you got a, a woods again. Yep. So people will be like, well, if it wants to be woods, just let it be a woods. And it's like, okay, well, how can I farm a woods? It's like, we are part of nature, but we need to learn to manage it properly. Well, uh, Becky, we need to learn to raise food on land without the use of fossil fuel. Mm -hmm. There is no better way than ruminants. Ruminants, you and I can eat grass until we fall over and die. A ruminant can eat grass because they got a multi-stomachs and they got a rumen with bugs in there. Those bugs break down the grass and turn it into meat. You and I can't do that. So we got to use ruminants. I mean, we don't need fossil fuel guzzling machines to make a living. And I'm sorry, but uh, we're getting a lot of bloody nose out in agriculture today because we're, we're doing some really terrible farming practices. We need to change. And it's called regenerative agriculture. Regenerate, not sustain, regenerate. What is your definition of regenerative agriculture? So my definition of regenerative agriculture is you're taking a degraded resource, if you come in on a land that's been abused, and you're making it better each year. Your animals are getting better. Your bottom line is getting better. Your community is getting better. You're bringing more employees on. Now you can afford to hire people. I mean, Joel, Joel Southern's got 23 full-time employees on this farm. And he's only got, I think, I don't know, there's like 300 acres here. There's people in Kansas that are farming 5,000 acres of row crop and they both work in town. 
they can't make a living on 5,000 acres of wheat. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? And they both work in town, and their wives work in town. Yeah. There's not a living to be made there. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Last question for you here. If there was one thing a new grazer, grass farmer, could do starting today on their operation, what do you think is one of the most impactful or most important um, strategies or principles uh, that they can use or do? Fence, water, and start rotating those animals. Try and get trampling going. Try and get your plants recovered. Where when you move your, their animal, when you move your animals each day, or however often you move them, you're, they're accomplishing something for you. You want the animals. I look at my animals as um, employees. I want them to gain weight every day, and so I want to make sure my animals are gaining weight. I want to make sure they're tramping some of this forage we call carbon back onto the soil surface, because I know that's my deposit, and that's going to grow more grass. So you newbies out there, if you can trample a blade of grass on the ground with a cow hoof, you get two blades back. What's better than that? And over time, Becky, you can run more livestock on the same amount of land without having to buy anymore. What's land here in this country? I mean, it's crazy, the price of it. So, yeah. Awesome. Build soil with ruminant animals. That's what I say. So, fence, you got to have fence. You got to control them. Make sure they stay on your farm. Get some good water placement out there where the animals don't have to walk, you know, miles to get water. It should be good water. And then start working on rotating them, and then start working on your marketing. You've got to have marketing. Because you raise them, and you can't sell them, then it doesn't do any good to raise them. That's the beautiful thing about these type of animals, though. There is a market out there that's just exploding. It really is. The, the right kind, yep. yep. Absolutely. Well, Greg, thank you so much. Thank you for all your YouTube videos that you put out there. I know a lot of people following you on that, and uh, I, I feel like... Most of the phone calls I get nowadays is, do you know who Greg Judy is? I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> so I appreciate your time. Thank you so much well, for doing what you're doing. You, you bet. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you, Becky. Folks, there you have it. I hope you guys learned a lot from that short and sweet interview. Sometimes interviews don't have to be long for you to get a lot of information out of them. I know I so enjoyed interviewing Greg and... I uh, just want to say thank you again to him for letting us do that. And uh, if you want to follow Greg, he's at a couple of different places online. He has um, a website, greenpasturesfarm.net. And he also, I'm sure a lot of you know, he is on YouTube. He is Greg Judy Regenerative Rancher on YouTube. So he has a lot of great videos on there. Follow him in both those places. If you want to find out more about the South Pole Cattle, I invite you to visit the South Pole page on online at southpole.com. So southpoll.com. And if you want to be a little more interactive with us, you can visit us on Facebook. We have an official page, the South Pole Grass Cattle Association. And we also have a page where a lot of our members post pictures, talk about their farm, talk about their South Pole cat pole cattle and all that good stuff. So that's the South Pole forum page on Facebook. Folks, thank you so much. And uh, until next time, happy grazing. <laughs>